Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Roots-based Chicago Cubs podcast. Pull up a chair while I take a deeper dive into concerns for the team's present and future. Questions are always welcomed, whether on Twitter, Tim815, on the Anchor Contest line. Haven't had one there in a while. Just saying. Or on my Facebook Pre-Arb Excellence group. Thanks for stopping by for today's episode, HAP. And Martina's part two, and asked me questions if I was confusing. Hap and Martina's part two. First off, I want to talk a bit about the Cubs game today. Um, aside from Tyler Chatwood being injured, and we'll see how long that will. I imagine he'll go on the 10 day disabled list, and we'll see beyond that. Had a little bit of talk on that earlier. The team responded very well. Six home runs by the outfielders, two by each. And I'm going to start talking about Ian Happ. Within the past 48 months at some point, it was really cool, really cool to either bag on Ian Happ, rip him, say the Cubs ought to trade him, or just somehow be dismissive of him. Within the last 24 months, quite a few people said, yeah, he's not going to be anything. Well, he's looking okay now. When you're dealing with young players, it's not always a case of he starts at a certain level, he gets better, 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 and he just keeps always getting better. It's not how it works. If you've ever watched a, looked at a stock market ticker, and whether it's a Dow Jones Industrial Average or a company on the, you know, stuff goes up, then it comes down, then it goes back up, then it comes down a little bit, and it's, it, things trend up, then they trend down. And the funny thing is, Here's the funniest thing. There's not a press release for a baseball player saying this guy is about to start having an OPS of 925. There's no press release saying that. I e- Stunning, isn't it? It's like players get better and then they don't get better. You have to sit. You have to watch. And patience is a virtue. Hap is playing well, and I haven't looked at his wins above for the season. I haven't looked at what he's making for the campaign. I haven't looked to see what his signing bonus was. So I think his signing bonus was somewhere in the $2 million, $3 million range, somewhere around there-ish. Um, I think his was a bit below slot because, I, I don't know, two million, three million, somewhere around there. I think he's probably lived up to his draft selection. People like to rag on this player or that player because they haven't developed yet. They have, for some players, it takes longer and for some players, it never happens. When you're talking about a player who hasn't developed, if you have specific reasons to think 
Nope, nope, nope. It's never going to happen. Then, yeah, you probably have a decent scoop there if he is good and does have value. However, forever is a long time. People who were bagging on Ian Happ and wanting to trade him for... I remember one person said Happ for Tucker Barnhart. Now, this is a person I respect. So it's not a, you know, it, it wasn't a um, flippant moment. He actually did the thinking out and the research. And there might have been a couple pieces here or there going the other. But it was basically Happ for Tucker Barnhart. And at the time, it kind of sen made sense because Tucker Barnhart was playing well. And Ian Happ wasn't proven yet. If you have a player who's possibly going to be capable of having a three-plus wins above season in his pre-arb campaigns when he's making less than a million dollars a year, if there's a possibility that player figures it out, you really don't want them to be going anywhere. If they're in the minor leagues, they're at the major leagues and just developing. Nico Horner is a decent example. Right now, well, there's some things you see that I kind of like that. And this thing here, he's kind of... But there's... He's not finished. Players take a while to get used to the league. And when you do a rush to judgment as far as because of five at-bats or five weeks or a year and a quarter... This is the most that this player will... What's your evidence on that? Players develop. They get better. They get worse. And it's not always the same direction. Now that I've released this podcast, maybe Ian Happ goes 3 for 37. And people are going to say, see, I told you so. No, Ian Happ has the capability right now of being a passable center fielder in Wrigley Field and a passable leadoff man in Wrigley Field. Now, you tell me when was the last time the Cubs had a passable leadoff man center fielder that they drafted and they kept pretty much all the way through. Who was that? Corey Patterson. That's the list. Corey Patterson is the list. He is the entire list. Am I going to say that there's nobody that I would rather have in center field than Ian Happ? No. Is there... Am I going to say there's nobody I'd rather have leading off than Ian Happ? No. But as of right now, he's a perfectly capable leadoff man. Perfectly capable. He's having a good enough year. He makes pitchers work a little bit. Make a mistake. He hits it in the seats. That's fine. Plays decent defense. Runs kind of fast, runs kind of funny, but there's, there, look at what Hap's making this year. Project out what he'll make the next year, and the next year, and the next year. That is exactly the type of player that the Cubs are looking for, someone who is cost-controlled and actually good. Hap, Mick Gillespie, during the game, I think it was after Hap's second homer, I was still busy doing this, that, and the other thing. And for those of you who have listened to my other podcasts from today, one of the things that I was planning on going out of the house and doing, I finally did get around to doing. So I got something productive today done other than doing podcast after podcast. Mick Gillespie, who had seen Ian Hap play in Tennessee, he's also seen him a bit out in spring training, 
made a curious comment today, and I made the. I said, I'm not sure if this is correct. I'm not sure if this is incorrect. So if you're listening to the podcast and you haven't responded on Twitter, you're certainly welcome to respond on Twitter because it's a, it's a, it's a damn good point by Mick Gillespie, whether you agree with it or not. It's brilliant because it makes you think. Mick Gillespie said, this year, Ian Happ is the Cubs' best hitter. No qualifications. Not the Cubs' best switch hitter, not the Cubs' best hitter that plays outfield, not the best hit, No, the Cubs' best hitter. Interesting call. So far, Mick is probably correct. One could argue, and this is going to slay some people, that Jason Hayward's been better. I don't know. But, uh... If you have, if a team has a player who's in their cost-controlled se- cost-controlled seasons, and he's doing well, and there's really no specific reason to think that he's going to absolutely fall apart, that's exactly the kind of guy that you want to have on your team. When people were saying back before, oh well, I don't want Ian Happ. The Cubs should trade Ian Happ for a closer, or they should trade for whatever. Take a breath. Someone was grumbling about... Oh, what were they grumbling? Was it, was it Kimbrell again? Somebody was grumbling about maybe how... Maybe, how, maybe it was how close the other teams are to the Cubs in the division race or something. I said, breathe. Just breathe. It's not a guarantee that I... But just breathe. Take a second. Ah. <sighs> Whatever the whatever the thing that's about the Cubs are fine for this year. They're not going to win the World Series. They're not going to the World Series. They're probably going to win the division. And that's fine. And they're setting themselves up for a decent spot in the future because they haven't probably done anything stupid yet. So I'm gonna do the bridge and then I'm gonna switch into the part two of the Jose Martinez trade. Can't accurately enough. Assess how much I appreciate you guys listening to the podcasts, the podcasts that I was commenting on, how people hadn't really had a chance to listen to them yet because I did like three or four of them in a row. They all have listenership and it's like you guys are doing phenomenal. If there's any of these that you have a friend that, you know, maybe you got somebody who says, what about that Jose Martinez trade? I'm not familiar with him. Shoot him this podcast. Shoot him the other Jose Martinez podcast. They'll know a little bit of something. At least a little bit of something, something. Uh, podcasts are uh, anchor permits sponsorships of podcasts. If you would even consider that, that would be tremendous. But mostly, just keep listening. I appreciate you guys listening, and hopefully, there's somebody that you can think of that hey, I ought to shoot this over to him. Okay, so the Jose Martinez trade. It was really curiously worded. I don't know what to make of it, and I'm trying to figure out if I'm going to try to make something of the way they worded it. But normally it's, for instance, a player be named later or cash. You're all familiar with that kind of a trade. You don't know who the players to be named later might be. You don't know how much the cash is going to be. After six months, if you haven't heard a player was traded, they got some money. Okay, we're all familiar with that. The way the trade happened today, 
the Rays are going to receive a player to be named later or cash and a player to be named later or cash. Someone noted online, I think it might have even been Jordan Bastian. That's oddly specific. Why they said a player to be named later or cash and a player to be named later or cash instead of two players to be named later or cash. Just seems odd, doesn't it? I I don't I I have enough conspiracy theorists in myself that I could probably create something out of that, but it uh it might be wrong. So but the important thing for this topic is a lot of you aren't familiar with Jose Martinez, and that's fine. That's adorable. I'm I'm not that familiar with him. I heard the name and I had a couple of things ringing around in my mind. He was an offensive masher. That was the main thing that I remembered. When I remembered him with the Cardinals, the Cardinals wanted to bat him third or fourth, like right around Goldschmidt. And sometimes they wouldn't play him, not because of the matchup, but because he's really bad defensively. And last year, because there was no DH in the National League, remember I've talked about how the, having the DH is a huge advantage when only one league has the DH, because teams can have players in one league but not the other. Jose Martinez, last year to the Cubs, has no value. He, somebody comped him to Nick Castellanos. I wouldn't go that far because I think Castellanos is a better hitter than Martinez. And Castellanos, despite his defense, is a much better defensive player than Martinez. But Martinez is a guy who... The Cardinals love to get in at the top of their order. Then about the 6th or 7th or 8th inning, if they're ahead, get them the heck out and send out somebody who's actually capable in right field because that's where they usually try to hide him in right field. So, as I was paying attention to the game and the Chatwood injury and the uh, signing the pitcher whose name I'm not remembering right now, um... As I was saying, it's like, okay, now there's something here that I'm missing. There's something here that I'm missing. There's some homework I should be doing. One of the podcasters that I listen to on a completely different topic prides himself quite a bit on his listeners doing their homework. Now, whether his listeners do any homework or not, he still prides them on it. Because he knows if they weren't doing their homework at least somewhat, or at least thinking and paying attention, they wouldn't be listening to his podcast. Because he prioritizes in that topic doing your homework. So he's doing the homework. Whether you're doing your homework or not, you're listening to him. He's doing his homework. So ipso facto, if you're listening to him, you're kind of doing homework, even if you're not doing any homework. So, Jose Martinez... I was thinking, okay, this dude hits, and I remember him playing against the Cubs periodically, but I really didn't have any anything to bring to the table. You know, I, I could say, you know, point, point 0.4 wins above the last, you know, wh whatever, whatever the numbers are. 
If I decide, okay, there are three numbers I want to know. Three numbers I want to know. This year he spent with Tampa. The preceding four seasons, when he'd been in the major leagues, he'd spent those seasons with the Cardinals. Sometimes in the majors, sometimes in the minors. So he'd get bounced back and forth. He has no option seasons left, so there's no concept of we're going to send him down to South Bend if he isn't hitting very well. So no option seasons remaining. He's going to be on the major league club. That's not a problem. So I figured there were three numbers I wanted. If you're thinking about how good of an offensive player is a player, what's the number you look to? What's the number you look to? You're trying to decide. You have no idea on this guy. Maybe, 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 maybe you're doing that thing that I'm recommending and you've decided, okay, I've picked a college team and I'm going to start following this college team when the college games are going and the pro games aren't. So I'm going I'm to follow this college team. Now, how is it that you can tell the best way possible. What is your evidence, though not proof, what is your evidence of how good of a hitter a player is? It used to be back in the day, for us old folks, the numbers that mattered, there were two of them. If you wanted to know if a guy could hit, there were two numbers that mattered. One was, you, you, you're going you're gonna to slay yourself on these. these. These are the two numbers that growing up mattered. One was, batting average <laughs> and the other one was runs bad <laughs> that's how people no really that's how people well let's see this guy last year hit 277 and he drove in 83 runs so he's good well nowadays we have other numbers and we realize that runs batted in is quite often a symptom of did you have guys on base in front of you because if you're batting uh, ninth or first in the order and there's nobody in front of you, you can hit the heck out of the ball. But if you have nobody to drive in, you're not driving in anybody. So how can you tell by looking at a person's statistical page, you know, you, not, not the seven lines deep and the, you know, the fourth derivative and all that. Kind of, how can you tell if a guy can hit? How can you tell if a guy can hit? The easiest default, it may not be accurate, but the easiest default to find out if a guy can hit is, what's his OPS? Real easy. What's his OPS? Now, I'm I'm give you three numbers. And when I give you these three numbers, think about them in terms of they are OPS for a player. Now you tell me of these three numbers, which guy is a good hitter, which guy is a fairly good hitter, and which guy is a rather good hitter. Or maybe the, you, you have a different one. I'm going to give you three OPS numbers. And I'm going to let you think about them for a couple minutes. First OPS number is 960. That's pretty good, isn't it? Second number is 724. That's not as spectacular. It's not horrible. You can survive with a 724. 
you'd probably prefer the guy to do a little bit of other things other than just hitting, but 724, you can at least stick that in the lineup somewhere. The third number, 890. Now, that's some pretty good, you know, th 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 those, that's a decent range, isn't it? 960, 724, and 890. There's a fourth number I'll tell you about in a little bit, but we're going to start with 960, 724, and 890. Where in a theoretical lineup would you probably stick a guy with a 960 OPS? Where, where, where are you hiding him in the order? You know, that's like Orlando Arcia. Orlando Arcia against the Cubs. That's pretty much what Arcia is at least the last couple of years. He's just absolutely killing the ball. 960, where do you stick that guy in the lineup? Just think about it. 724, where do you stick that guy in the lineup? Okay, lower, understandable, particularly if he doesn't have a whole lot of speed or, you know, okay. 890, where are you putting that guy in the order? Jose Martinez OPS against the Cincinnati Reds in his career is 960. Jose Martinez OPS against the Milwaukee Brewers in his career is 724. Jose Martinez OPS against the Pittsburgh Pirates is 890. Jose Martinez OPS against the Cubs is somewhere in the mid 600s, 674, something, something like that, 658, I don't know, but it's mid 600. So Jose Martinez absolutely pummels the Reds. He's really good against the Pirates, and he's a bit better than average against the Brewers so far in his career. I didn't give you any St. Louis Cardinals numbers because he's only played against, uh, he's played with the St. Louis Cardinals, but never against them. So, would you like to plug in a designated hitter somewhere into the Cubs lineup that's going to be in the range of a 960 or a 724 or an 890 OPS. I don't care how bad of a right fielder he is. If you can use him at DH and he's going to hit anywhere near in that range, that's better than Victor Caratini. It's way better than Victor Caratini. The goal for getting the Cubs better into the future is to find players who are going to be better now and into the future. Martinez will be Cubs cost controlled in 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023 is unclear. I didn't get around to looking that up, but by then, if it's to the point where he's still doing rather well, I doubt he will look for a seven year extension because he's already 32. So one of the downsides of Jose Martinez is that he's probably already a bit old and he's not going to get a whole lot better. The upside of Jose Martinez is he's never going to have to play defense again. And his divisional OPS, Reds 960, Brewers 724, Pirates 890, and... 
and he goes to play the Cardinals, you think maybe, just maybe, he might have that little bit of angry in him. little tiny bit of angry. I'm going to make you guys regret trading me kind of angry. We'll have to see. There's no guarantee that that's how he's going to hit. But if he does hit, the Cubs have him for basically as long as they want him. It's not a situation like Nick Castellanos where you have him through September and once the season's over, he's done, he's gone. Castellanos was not gotten rid of. Castellanos finally became a free agent and the Cubs did not turn in the highest offer. That's why Nick Castellanos did not stick around. And there's a couple other things involving finances that I'm running around my mind. And they might be a couple podcasts today, maybe tomorrow. Tomorrow's not a, tomorrow there's no game. That'd be a good time for some decent little background information. So yeah, when you guys think of something that's like, you know, I ought to, I ought to look this up. Because nobody's ever mentioned this. Figure it out for yourself. Look it up, do the research, and probably nobody else has done it. At least nobody else, you know, on your Twitter followers. I had a fun time with that one. I posted, you know, here, here's the number, 960, 724, 890. You tell me what they are. And I gave hints, you know, they haven't changed in the last day. They haven't changed in the last half a year. And, you know, you look at 960, 724, 890. Those are definitely OPS numbers. So it's like, you know, okay, they're OPS numbers, just what are they OPS for? OPS against the Reds, OPS against the Brewers, OPS against the Pirates. That'll work. Um, I expect another trade tomorrow. Probably the Cubs will acquire a pitcher. And that's even more likely now with Tyler Chatwood shelved for we'll see how long. But uh, I expect another trade. But one way or the other, I'm going to come up with some content that'll hopefully get you thinking. Hopefully get you thinking, gee, I wonder who I can think of that would be interested in hearing this. Because nobody else goes there. So that's my goal. Hopefully I'm getting close to achieving it. And I hope you have a fantastic rest of your Sunday. Thanks for stopping by Pre-Arb Excellence. Try to post another podcast as circumstances warrant one. I'll attempt to make that one worth your time as well. Be safe. Go Cubs go. And be nice to people.